Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Tom Adams here, and we are back with a two-man booth for today's show. I am joined by the one, the only Schnitzel. I think, I think we've become a fan favorite over the uh, over the episodes we've been on together. Would you say not, Schnitzel? How are you doing on this fine Sunday? We are one hundred percent fan favorites, if not fan favorites, at least people like to listen to us more because of the, I guess, less doomsday-like opinions and also less overly optimistic opinions. We offer a pretty balanced viewpoint, I suppose. And we're also not very old, so (laughs) that's always a plus. I mean, we're no Chuck Smith. Of course, World Soccer Talk had to single out his name when we got our Best Club Podcast 2022 award, which... We're all still a little bit salty about, and he's, you know, he yeah. likes to run with that and use that title to his name and, and glow a little bit on our Slack channel, of course. Yeah, like sure, it was all just Chuck. I mean, who cares about us, man? It was, it's all, it's always Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Took the spotlight, and yeah, it's, it's all him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, clearly he's the best looking too. I mean, Absolutely. there's just no denying that sexiest voice. I mean, it's, it's tough to have... compare. When are we going to have pictures, you know, circulating from his college days? I really want to see. <laughs> I don't you know? know. I don't know if he if it's one of those deals where he's really trying to build up the suspense so he can unveil it or if he's legitimately terrified of what the reaction will be. And he thinks that maybe we'll lose listeners on BPW and lose follow- followers on BFW. Like, I can't tell which it is, you know. Yeah. And uh, between that and... Nico Kovac's uh, 99 Love Balloons video. I don't know what I want more desperately. Like, just give me any one of those and I'll be satisfied, you know? If Chuck can produce both in, uh, you know, one shot, which I think that might deep down be what his secret plan is, then uh, I will... He's completely vindicated in my eyes. He can he can take... He, his name can go on all the awards that we ever wind up getting at BPW, BFW. Absolutely. <laughs> No, yep. So, Schnitzel, we are just about, at the time of recording, a little under 48 hours removed from Bayern Munich's opening Bundesliga match of the season, which, as we all know, ended with a Bayern Munich emphatic victory, 6-1 to at Eintracht Frankfurt, the reigning Europa League champions. And honestly, Schnitzel, I think a lot of us felt that uh, this game was probably going to be a lot closer than it was. But y- I think... There's just not too many reasons that you can think of. I, I guess I'll pose this to you. Obviously, so 6-1, Kimmich got the scoring off with a fantastic free kick, which we know uh, we now know Dino Topmuller uh, and Julian Nagelsmann had been working with the players, and they had studied Kevin Trapp and shown that he likes to cheat a little bit on those free kicks. Uh, and, of course, the pyro smoke from that uh, north curve at Deutsche Bank Park definitely didn't help Trapp. Uh, at least from the vantage point that we were watching the broadcast from, it really made it look like uh, his free kick had kind of traveled through the smoke. I'm not sure how much that actually affected Trap, but once that happened, you just always felt that Bayern were going to go on and score more. Schnitzel, do you think this was more of... I can't honestly put my head around it. I know briefly off air we were talking about how we felt that Glosner really got his tactics wrong, but do you think this was more of Bayern just playing exceptionally well I know that uh, you were a big fan of the 
for Triple Two, as you will probably discuss. And you were the genius mastermind behind recommending this. And I remember the episode where uh, I Need No Name was kind of uh, lambasting you for even recommending that. But I think it worked wonders as it did in Leipzig for the most part. And I should say the exact same lineup that we fielded uh, in Leipzig for that 5-3 DFL Super Cup win. But Schnitzel, was this more of us just overperforming and kind of blowing expectations out of the water or Frankfurt just completely underperforming and getting it terribly wrong on the night? So I'm trying really hard to hold myself back from throwing some shade at I Need No Name because obviously lambasting you know other podcasters is something he really likes to do especially if it's anything that is anything different from the four two three one that you know Bayern has to play at all times anything that's not a back four anything that doesn't enable Thomas Miller to have a free roaming am role anything that basically goes against his opinion so not really concerned about that. It's just I'm happy that I'm once again right as always. And uh, to be frank, I just want to reserve my opinions at the moment because obviously we're still at a very early stage in the season and there's just one game, very small sample size. But it looked really good, the formation. And I think it was a mix of various factors. One of them obviously being Oliver Glasner being outplayed tactically because I feel like his Eintracht Frankfurt side were set up pretty well for any other team. He pretty much used the same formation in the Europa League and they were champions. They put Barcelona to the sword and we remember how good they were, you know, against so many quality teams. Against this Bayern side, it simply did not work because of how Bayern were set up to exploit all of Eintracht's weaknesses. And the main reason is that Eintracht Frankfurt, they fielded a conservative defense, but they did not sit back. They decided to push forward whenever possible. They decided to try and exploit spaces, but that simply did not work because Bayern Munich with the 4-2-2-2 or 4 triple 2 it sounds better that way, are poised to create a numerical advantage in the final third. Their midfielders and the way they kind of bypass that whole midfield area because with a 4 triple 2 you don't have midfielders controlling possession anymore it's so direct the play goes through the middle you have half space playmakers slash wingers in uh, Muziala and to an extent Thomas Miller functioned as a winger as well you have them dominating the half spaces and you have Serge Gnabry and Sadio Mane interchanging so beautifully like I haven't seen Gnabry look so consistently good in a very long time I mean I feel like he's had two or three good games in a row. And that is so not Gnabry. Like, we're so used to him performing really well in one game and then absolutely losing everything, losing the entire plot in the next, you know. I'm just trying not to cuss, but <laughs> whenever I think of Gnabry's previous seasons, I just feel like saying he played like shit. And frankly, frankly, like, he had, like, one good game and then three bad games, and we are kind of used to that by now. But Sadio Mane made him world-class again, in a way. And Nagelsmann is really bringing the best out of the players in this formation. Obviously, we also had a monster game from Upamecano, which is very, very pleasing to the eye because he didn't do himself a lot of favors last season with some, you know, boneheaded errors, some games where he looked super shaky. But this season, I feel like us signing 
more players in various positions like Matthias Delit and uh, Mazraoui is lighting torches up people players' butts. And it's like, it's giving them an incentive to sort of push themselves even more. And that is what I felt happened with Upamecano and Pavard. Yeah, and I mean, if that's all we needed for Pavard, I mean, geez, he can't stop scoring. Sell him, you know, question mark. I mean, not if he's going to keep scoring at this rate. I mean, exactly as you said, I thought both he, I mean, it, on, quite honestly, it's hard to pick out any Bayern player that didn't have a fantastic game. I think just maybe Neuer because of that like weird error uh, that he made for Frankfurt's yeah. goal. It just kind of looked like a weird, I think he was just kind of like trying to roll it. Um, I don't know. I think it was Hernandez that had played it back and was like still there, that kind of square, and he just hit it wrong. And uh, what's his face? Uh, so people, Mawani was right there to, yeah, to finish. People were it. saying that. Yeah, people were saying that it was Hernandez's fault, but I think it was all Neuer because he tried to dribble it for no reason. Like I didn't get that. I mean, it was the the back pass from Hernandez had a little bit too much pace on it for my liking, but the fact that Neuer took one touch and he controlled it. And then he took it back in the opposite direction with that little like rolled touch. I think he was honestly trying to roll it off of his foot and kind of push it back to Hernandez, but he just kind of took an awkward touch and it landed, you know, kind of midway between Neuer and Hernandez. And Mawani was right there. To be, to be fair, I thought when he came on, he added a lot of life uh, to Frankfurt. And I thought he was quite honestly one of their best players in what was a, a bit of a dud to pick from as far as Frankfurt's concerned. But a rare mistake, you know, Neuer, he kind of gives you one or two of those every game with how far off his line he likes to play. But, you know, to my point, other than him making that brief mistake, it's really hard to pick out anybody that didn't have at least an average or solid match for Bayern, which is just very rare for us today. Even Sabitzer, I know you're a big Sabitzer fan. I thought he had a quietly good role alongside uh, Joshua Kimmich uh, in the midfield and stood very firm. And, and did a lot of, uh, like I said, little quiet things tactically, um, you know, p- possession-wise, distribution, a lot of things very well. And I think the best word to describe the attack, and we're, I know we're going to get into this a little bit later in the podcast, but fluid is the word I heard tossed around a lot because, as you said, interchangeability between Mane, uh, Gnabry, Musiala, he's just everywhere. He seems to drop deep in the midfield. One of the things I always praise about him is so quick on the turn when he's got someone on his back and he makes it look very easy. And, you know, as someone who's uh, an older, a little bit washed up of a player, that is not easy, even in your heyday, to turn like that so dynamically, keep the ball tight to you and just completely roll a defender. And he seems to just, like, find those little pockets of space and thread the needle himself and, and, and get through it. And as you said, just bypass the midfield. And then I know, as I was saying off air, it just looked like there were so many opportunities for Bayern. I mean, we saw the scoreline 6-1, but honestly, Schnitzel, like, what could it have been? 8-9 with the amount of, like, 3v1s, 3v2s, 4v3s that we created just by sliding Absolutely. through that midfield between yeah. all the interchangeability with our attacking players. And it was just, as I said, very fluid. Uh, yeah, Gnabry especially. I thought some of his one-touch flicks, one-touch passing under very tight pressure were very good, uh, whether it was with Mane, Muller, Musiala, Kimmich, and Sabitzer, I thought, even got forward. Uh, likewise, Davies and Pavard, but you know that's something we always come to expect with our outside backs. I think with Muziala, like he has also one thing to also, uh, you know, call is the the way he's kind of improved his upper body strength. Like it's kind of visible. He's worked on it, and he is harder to shrug off. Like in previous seasons, 
the defenders would just push him or just, you know, tackle him recklessly. And he used to just lose the ball, obviously, then fight and try to get it back. But now it's harder to, like, shrug him off and take the ball from him. And also, his acceleration is off the charts. It's So, yes, there is a pace element and he's very quick. But it's also about how quickly he can accelerate from, like, a speed of, like, two or three meters per second to, like, I don't know, like, 50, 60, 70 meters per second. Like, he just, just you know, the blink of an eye. Okay, wait, I'm sorry about that. You cannot go at 70 meters per second. I think I meant to say, you know, <laughs> something like 70 meters a minute or something like that. I don't know. I don't even know why I said that. But, like, so so you get the point. Like, I just, say, I, I just wanted to say that he is very, very quick on the turn, as you mentioned, and he's also super, super quick when accelerating and short spaces like his burst of pace is just so hard to handle especially if you're a defender who is right behind them and trying to stop him and he just does these little body feints and gets past you it's just super super difficult to control him so yeah i think we have a gem in our hands and going forward obviously it's going to be a toss-up between him and zane in the coming games and Zane has been having some really good games recently, but it just sucks that he has to fight for a starting spot with one of the most informed wingers in the world right now. And oddly enough, as you say that schnitzel, within the past 24 hours, these reports coming out linking him with Manchester United, who just recently, at the time of recording, fell 2-1 to one at home uh, to Brighton. Even with uh, star man Ronaldo coming off the bench, I wonder if he was thinking about Bayern Munich while he was on the bench. But yeah, very, very out of left field sort of rumor, if you will. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. If um, now I know it's funny on air, I'm actually giving myself a reminder. I'm trying to, I got to work in a write up to Nagelsmann and his coaching staff using a point system in training to kind of help determine. Uh, who merits like a starting spot in the starting lineup. Um, as I said, expect a piece for me at some point. So I stopped putting it off. <laughs> I think for like two days uh, <laughs> running, I found uh, different pieces to write different uh, commitments, uh, BPW and BFW wise. But I promise on air, Chuck, I will get it done. And to our other editors, I will get that piece done. But so there's obviously... I think, Tom, if you... If you focus less on Liverpool-related content oh. and you know started to deliver more for BPW, you would probably get your articles done faster. Oh. Just saying. Oh, that one cuts deep. <laughs> Just I putting think... it out there. <laughs> I'd be hard-pressed. If you can find another, uh, whether you want to call us amateurs, professionals, semi-professionals, hacks, whatever you want to call us, if you can find somebody else that every I weekend think... watches every minute of Liverpool and Bayern Munich and covers one uh at least semi-professionally as i said definitely present them to me because i think i might be one of very few hybrid uh journalists or contributors if you will schnitzel i think it's it's fair to call us semi semi semi-professionals or even professionals because as i'd like to recall time and time again we are an award-winning podcast yes we are we beat the athletic among other podcasting brands we beat a lot of very very famous podcasts including the anfield rap right we did yes and, and uh, that yeah. is a very good podcast with a lot of very good exactly time, as i must add so and i did not vote for them so yeah 
<laughs> Only for BFW. You, you swear that all the time, but do we all believe you? <laughs> uh, that's um, up to everybody the, in the comments. Yeah. You have to you have to reply in the in the write up for this piece if you actually believe me. And Fair trust enough. me, uh, yeah. BFW is on my favorites list, and the Anfield rap is actually not, despite how often I do listen to it, especially when I try to cope with bad performances like yesterday against Fulham. But that's uh, aside from the fact, Schnitzel. Um, so Zoom has kind of given me the heads up here uh, that we have less than a minute. So Schnitzel, um, we're going to kind of cut it off, and but and I guess a brief break. There won't be like a commercial break here, but when we get back, we're kind of going to talk about uh, life without Lewandowski and how it seems to be going swimmingly thus far. We're going to get into some of the tactical details about that and some of uh, what RB Leipzig's, I think Tedesco, what he said about us and also what Nagelsmann has said uh, about life uh, without a natural number nine. And uh, yeah, we will get into that. So Tom, uh, before we move on to our next segment, I'd like to give my thoughts on the Sané rumors, the transfer rumors, and the fact that Manchester United are interested in him. I mean, they're interested in pretty much everything that moves. So that is not surprising. But that being said, uh, I doubt Sané would agree to such a massive downgrade. Firstly, yes, he's going to get some cash from United, that is for sure. He'll be getting quite a lot in transfer fees. But first, why would Bayern want to sell him when we finally have so much wing depth that we could really use throughout the season? Second, Sané is actually playing really well right now. So he's a player we could really use. And third, Sane probably doesn't want to play there. That is the most important aspect that we have to consider in all of this. They just lost to Brighton, right? They play in the Europa League, so that's a massive downgrade. Schnitzel, and too. Third, doesn't he have the Etihad like, tattooed on his back? Exactly. Like it's going to oh, yeah. be so sad to have to somehow try and remove that tattoo. And I don't know what he's going to do in its place. It's just... Were, were you about to say that? To me. Is going to comment that as well. Oh, sorry, that sorry. Very... I stole your thunder. But that's okay. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> you can take the credit uh... for that, Tom. Yeah. Woo! But like, <laughs> I think it's going to be a real shame if he moves there because I don't think he will. And besides, what is the motivation for him moving there? I don't see any personal motivation. He yeah. commented before joining Bayern that he wanted to play football at the highest level. So it doesn't make sense that he would sacrifice all of this to go play in Europa League, bottle it against teams like Brighton and Bournemouth on a regular basis and just make a clown of himself. For the I guess of the, the only, like, I'm not even too sure where these rumors came from, to be quite honest. I'd kind of have to go back and double check that. But just for the sake of uh, the argument, even though I don't agree with it at all, and I agree with everything you said, to play devil's advocate slightly, I guess one thing would be, you know, whether it's based off of Nagelsmann's point system, or things he sees day in and day out in training or attitude. Um, I'm just not sure, first off, how much longer we'll be seeing a Leroy Zane that comes off the bench and is only a substitute player. Um, and to kind of expand off of that, is that something that mentally affects Zane's attitude? I mean, does he want to be coming off the bench all the time? Granted, I think he was all right after he came on uh, in Frankfurt. And same in Leipzig, and it obviously added our fifth goal, albeit a breakaway. But I think he still showed great poise and great technique and, you know, quality in front of goal to get that goal. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I guess that would be the only smidge 
of you know what's an actual fact as to why but yeah i agree i i I don't think there's any way he would do this but um i'm sure he's not happy being only a substitute granted we're only two competitive fixtures if you even want to count uh the super cup as a competitive fixture i certainly do especially with the nature that it always unfolds you know it's never really friendly i think there was something like seven yellow cards which uh i don't really qualify that as friendly (laughs) uh if you ask me but yeah, I mean, do you it's think that trophy. affects him at all? And do you think that's something that will continue? Or do you think that's nothing to worry about at all and he'll slowly uh, start getting more and more starts? With Sane, I feel like it's just his... Like, it's more to do with his body language and the way he expresses himself on the pitch than anything else. And I think, you know, in some cases, we just shouldn't overanalyze certain players. We shouldn't, like, take too much into how they behave on the pitch because... As long as he's being productive for us, as long as he's showing that willingness to actually, you know, contribute for the team, there is nothing to worry about. There are some players who are super expressive, like Joshua Kimmich, who looks yeah. like he might throw a hissy fit like every five minutes. But you cannot expect every player to sort of showcase that passion and the way he does, you know, his face goes all red and he's just wincing at everyone. He's screaming orders and he's just stomping on the pitch like some angry old man. You can't expect everyone to be like that. So some players are more, you can say, uh, old or you know antiquated in that way. They're more conventional, rugged footballers, like Oliver Kahn likes to say. And some are, you know, more. They look nonchalant, but that doesn't mean that they don't deliver for teams on the pitch. So we leave it to Nagelsmann to decide, obviously. But I think right now Zani is performing really well. There's nothing to worry about. If he keeps up these performances, he could well be a very very important player for Bayern this season and given that there's a world cup year we really need all the depth we can have so yeah of course despite Muziela being a starter at this point and he's so good he also would have to be rested every now and then probably every alternate game if you ask me so yeah yeah 100% thankfully it's not up to us and it's up to Nagelsmann to make those difficult decisions uh, and keep the balance in the squad and keep everybody happy but to kind of answer my own question, I do think eventually Zane will stop, will start. And of course, the one glaringly obvious thing, I mean, you kind of touch based on it there with depth, but that we're not mentioning as Bayern fans. I think you know where I'm probably going to go with this. What What is synonymous to expect yes. in a Bayern season <laughs> as a Bayern fan is, of course, injuries. They will happen. Knock on wood. I don't know if you could actually hear through my mic me actually knocking 100%. on the wooden table. I'm on, but I really hope they don't happen. But as I just mentioned, it comes with the territory of being a Bayern fan. We get a handful of season. Uh, we get COVID infections rampantly. Uh, so hopefully we don't have to deal with either of those things. But as Schnitzel just mentioned, depth is the key, and that is something we will need. So I think he will get a fair amount of starts. And I do hope those positive performances continue. But since we're on the subject still, Schnitzel, as I mentioned earlier, we were going to segue into Bayern's attack. Obviously, it's a lot different than we've seen in the past. We still have a lot of the same players. We have new additions, but we don't have a natural number nine striker. And of course, unless you've been living under a rock, you would know that we've lost Lewandowski, completing his dream move to Barcelona, even though in the past he had said his dream club was Real Madrid, but maybe his dreams changed a little bit, Snitchell. That's just a little dig at him. Um, Lighthearted. Obviously, danke for alles. You know, thank you for everything you've given to us, Robert Lewandowski, I think. Uh, even the most bitter fans would have to say they're 
happy that it happened and not sad that it's over with everything that he won, everything he achieved with us, all the goals he scored. But the attack looks a little bit different, Schnitzel. And based off of the first two matches, as I said earlier, it doesn't really look like we're going to struggle to score goals, especially if we're able to score, what is it, 11 between two matches against RB Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt, two teams who we would expect to be in and around the top four uh, and competing with us at the top end of the Bundesliga table. But I'd use the word earlier, fluid between Gnabry, Mane, Muller, Musiala, Zane when he came on. And obviously people don't forget that we had Kingsley Coman suspended for this opening match against Eintracht Frankfurt. He's going to be added to the mix. And I thought he looked very bright against RB Leipzig and had a very strong end to the Rukrunda last season and was one of our most important players. And so Schnitzel, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I know we were trying to remember who said this, but it was Julian Nagelsmann who was commenting on Bayern's attack and how it looks without Lewandowski. And I think a lot of us remember last season, Nagelsmann was trying to get Lewandowski to do a lot of different tactical things. Last season, it created a a slight rift between the two where Lewandowski was kind of saying, hey, look, look at my pedigree, look at who I am. Uh, he might not have actually said that, but it's kind of how he felt. And he said, you know, I don't really think there's many things tactically I need to change about my game. You know, my job is to score goals. You can reference like Harry Kane for England and Tottenham, where a lot of people get angry when he drops deeper, but he has uh young men's son running in behind. And they're obviously one of the most prolific. I actually think the most prolific duo uh, in the premier league. So with Lewandowski, you know, do you want him to drop deeper? Do you want him to always be in and around the box? Nogglesman wanted some different things, and now we have a far more fluid-looking attack without Lewandowski uh, in the fray schnitzel. And the way he kind of described this in a recent quote of his was, it's a lot harder to defend you know, four or five players running at you than it is to defend crosses coming in when there's only one or two target men, obviously Lewandowski being one of them. And I think a lot of times, especially against a deeper-lying block, which is par for the course, for most teams that aren't in the top half of the table when Bayern play them, it oftentimes got very um, frustrating when we would cross it in. Lewandowski wouldn't be found, and we'd struggle to find goals in some games. But with such a fluid attack, that might not be as much of an issue, Schnitzel. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that quote kind of summarizes it well from Nagelsmann? As far as life without yeah, I think uh, strikers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it... It is a pretty good summary. And I also think, uh, to add to your quote, uh, I think it was uh, Tedesco, Leipzig coach, that said after the game that, after the Leipzig game, the Super Cup one, that Bayern at this, uh, this new look Bayern has so many weapons at their disposal. It's like facing a lot of arrows from different directions and you just don't know how to protect yourself, how to defend yourself properly. Because when you have so many threats looming, you cannot focus on one or two threats at once because you only have like four or five defenders on the pitch and you have so many attackers, you have so many passing lanes open. So there is no way to control this offense. And I don't believe that it's not, it's it's impossible to start, stop this offense. Of course it is possible. Any offense can be stopped. I guess a manager like Unai Emery or Diego Simeon just needs a game or two to figure how to probably, you know, put in a very, very, very scumbag sort of defensive setup that can put any any team in misery. I, I mean, like that. I like sure. that terminology. I mean, so many yeah, bad You're familiar memories. with Simeon, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, Atletico. Oh, my God. I just cannot stand it. <laughs> cannot stand yeah. it. Yeah. 
yeah and basically it's it it just i guess this this run's going to last it's going to be really really good till one manager one unfortunate day figures out how to stop this defense and it will happen at some point just like any other tactic it will be figured out but the good thing is that Nagelsmann tactics can also be fluid this season i'm not saying that the formation needs to keep changing but it's that Bayern now has a certain degree of unpredictability that it didn't have before. You cannot really put your finger on one or two players and say that these are the players that are going to generate most of the chances because you have chances being generated all over the pitch. When it's going through the middle, it's direct. You have Muziala and Müller being involved with Kimmich and maybe Zabitzer or Gravenberch if he plays. And sometimes you have wingers coming to the free of Leroy Zani drifting out wide, Kingsley Coman as well. And Mane and Gnabry interchanging. So when you're trying to focus on one or two players, try and mark them out of the game. The other players come into the fray. And that was not the case when Lewandowski was at Bayern. It was basically mark him and Müller out of the game. And that was it. That was the entire game plan. And our wingers back then, last season especially, didn't do us many favors in that sense. They were terrible at crossing. And their service was abysmal. So coming into the season with no... Heliocentric player, as I'd like to say. You know, Lewandowski was heliocentric in the sense that he sort of demanded all these crosses, these chances, and he did finish them. He was so reliable that we relied on him to carry us through many fixtures. But that is going to happen no more because we have so many players now willing to venture forward, willing to contribute. And not just that, the setup is so fluid that I guess even the defenders, like Benjamin Pavard, for example, who's having a brilliant run can contribute to the offense, which is such a beautiful sight. So yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think that quote summarizes really well what Bayern is going through right now. And of course, you used to have, whether it was from Bayern fans or non-Bayern fans, the old argument that, oh, Lewandowski goes missing in big matches, uh, especially in the Champions League. and That is so you know, not true. I know. I, I mean, I never agreed with it either. I think it was more applicable and more uh, fervent back in like the 17-18 Champions League run-in in 18-19 when we had the run-ins no, with think, Real Madrid yeah, and he failed to it, score no, in any of those legs. 18-19 was Liverpool, wasn't it? We lost to Liverpool in the 18-19 season. Uh, we won the yes, Champions yes, League in 1920. Yeah. So I didn't say 1920, did I? No, I wouldn't have made that you mistake. You said 18-19 was against Real Madrid, so... Uh well, you know I get confused because it was the <laughs> is a 2018 Champions League final, in Kiev, so like that was the possibility where for me it almost sucked because it was very very close to being Bayern and Liverpool in exactly. the final, which was yeah. obviously would have been really weird. But so yeah, those two legs against Real Madrid 17 18 would have been the technical season. Uh, obviously failing to score there, we all remember the Sven Ulreich error. Um yeah, so that was a rough year for me. Loris Karius and Sven Ulreich just. That uh, the whole Champions League, yeah, uh, that, semis and final and that, was just like defined by goalkeeping errors. And the jujitsu move by Ramos on Salah. I mean, wow, <sighs> man, I hate that player. I really cool. hate him. Very I painful. hate. I hate Ramos and Casemiro with a passion. And pretty much everyone who listens to my pods or reads my articles knows that. Even for fervent BFW followers, I mean, that team. I've hated that team with a passion, and I have. Absolutely no shame in admitting it. I mean, I'd really hate Real Madrid. And I think those two players are probably the scummiest of footballers to ever grace the planet. I mean, yeah. 
I, I mean, it beats me even today how Casemiro gets away without without getting carded. Like he never gets carded. It's just so annoying. I know. I mean, that's no indictment of how they are as as men, but I would have to agree on the pitch. They yeah. definitely their antics, their dark arts definitely rub me severely the wrong way, and I really do not enjoy watching it. I, I don't take. I don't think there's any joy like in the the shithousery. I mean. That's something that you come to expect to see in like the early stage cup matches where it's like, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think of a thing like Leighton Orient well, versus Liverpool or something is, like that's something you'd expect from the Leighton Orient players. This is starting to sound depressing, man. Let's let's not turn this into an I need no name type podcast. Okay? <laughs> that, let's try and <laughs> that last segment was an uh, an ode to I need no name just just for so he doesn't get too mad about us uh, bashing wow. him a little bit in the beginning of the episode. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. And let's, any let's any excuse to like uh you know spout off my knowledge of lower league English teams too, you know. Scunthrope, uh Luton Town, Leighton Orient. Actually Luton Town, that's okay. that's a bit of an indictment on them because they're getting carried away. EFL, they got close. <laughs> yeah, but but Schnitzel, so we know your one... English Tom, but like <laughs> I think this needs to stop. Let's yeah. let's get back to Bayern, right? So so yeah, uh like you mentioned, uh the Bayern teams back in the day again. Uh, we had really, really good phases. We did have some terrible seasons, like the one that I just don't want, the ones that I don't want to talk about, the ones where we faced Real Madrid. That being said, like as of now, and but but at the risk of sounding like Teddy, I'd like to say that obviously Nagelsmann's a great coach and he's like brought in some good changes, but the jury is still out on how the team is going to perform for the rest of the season. And I hope that the players peak at the right time. So that's actually a question I had for you with this lack of a number nine. Um, and yeah. Even Mane can turn into the quote-unquote center-forward striker, if you will, because I think in the, the two games that we've had, there's been a lot of situations and uh, sequences where we found him as the most advanced player. Um, but as we know, he, he can drop deep. He can interchange, as we both mentioned with Gnabry, Muller, Musiala, Zane, Coman, all of those other attackers. But Schnitzel, do you see this in the long run being entirely sustainable? Or do you think there will be matches in the season, whether it's in the Champions League, the Cup, or the Bundesliga, where teams really, really throw 11 men behind the ball against us? Uh, and do you think it'll be almost kind of where people blame uh, former Bayern manager Pep Guardiola and Man City? They obviously now have Haaland, but before that, they didn't have a natural striker. And a lot of people blamed that as being a reason why they fell short in the Champions League. So do, do you see this some being something that's completely sustainable? Or do you think we will have moments where we're like, oh, man, we really need a striker. And, you know, Matisse Tell probably won't be cutting it in those moments. Or even uh, yeah, Chapo Moateng, not to discredit him. It's Chupo Goateng. Put some respect on his name, okay? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And and about the about your question, I think that obviously this is a new setup and we're still getting used to it. And it is a very valid question because we don't have a pure target man. We don't have a proper number nine. Yes, the attack is more dynamic. And yes, it is more difficult to stop us. At least it looks more difficult right now. But I think that the solution to stopping this Bayern team could well be in a very low defensive block. Obviously, give us more possession but at the same time, try and defend within those half spaces, the ones that I've been rambling about, like Klopp for the past, I don't know, three or four podcasts. It's just when those lanes are cut, I think Bayern might have an issue because we don't have players who can like rise up in the air and be an aerial threat 
especially in the attack. Lewandowski could score with any part of his body. And this is no slight at Mane. Mane is amazing. And he did score a header in the most recent game. But he is not Lewandowski. And he cannot, you know, be that one person who carries the team forward and attack. It's like multiple players. So there could be situations where we're really looking for a goal. And we may not get one because of how the defense is set up. But then, but then, I think the solution lies in the lineup itself. It's that, say we're starting Muller, Mane on the half spaces, and Gnabry and, uh, uh, sorry, Muller and Muziala in the half spaces, and Gnabry and Mane up front, and we, they're not able to score a goal. We can always bring in Coman and Zane to change things. Coman is a completely different player to Muziala or Muller. He is a wide winger. And he can stretch the game. We have players who can confuse the opposition even more. So it's like saying, if, I guess, a square peg doesn't work, try a triangle one. And if a triangle doesn't work, try a circular one. I guess you can... The tactics are more fluid because we're less dependent on one person. But Lewandowski, you couldn't substitute him without getting sacked. It was basically that. Imagine subbing off Lewandowski in a big game. You're literally throwing your job out the window. But with this squad, you can sub out Gnabry and bring in Coman and nobody would bat an eyelid. You could bring out Muziala, obviously, now that Muziala is becoming a fan favorite, it's going to be harder to do that. But bringing in Zane is not going to raise as many eyebrows because they're very similar. You could substitute Thomas Müller out. I need no name. <laughs> I'd prefer if you didn't hear this part. <laughs> yeah. You could you could sub out Thomas Müller and you could bring in Ryan Gravenberch. And you offer a different level of dynamism. So you can throw things around in the squad. And you don't have one player who is unbenchable, who is a constant fixture lineup. It's like everyone can be benched. And you have so many different options that I think if one answer fails, the other one is always up perhaps. So Nagelsmann has a lot of choices this season. That he does. And even to your point there, I don't really see any of these players being i guess a pro or having the attitude of i'm i'm a player if i start i'm doing a full 90 and there's no reason i should be subbed off unless i'm injured or you know walking a disciplinary tightrope i can all like i i can see them all buying into the uh pretty much what you were just talking about the dynamics and the options that nagelsmann has in attack i think that all of the players have signed on to this and while there might be situations if they're getting yanked after 50, 55 minutes, perhaps even at halftime. They've all kind of bought into this idea that it's for the good of the team. And, you know, it's not going to be a situation where, you know, the world goes into meltdown. If it's, you know, 50 minutes, there's no injury. There's no yellow card and Lewandowski gets pulled off. I mean, how, how many times have we seen that? We've seen him come exactly. on to try and perform rescue acts if the match hasn't been going well. Um, like uh, the perfect example is back uh, under Guardiola. We were losing to uh, Wolfsburg and he came on, he did the five and nine. And then uh, in seasons past, I can remember there's, you can kind of pick them out on one or two hands, the amount of situations where he's on the bench and not injured, or he's just working his way back from injury. And he came on in the second half, but almost never the opposite, unless we are absolutely steamrolling a team and we're saving him for an important match upcoming. You know, there would really be no in this circumstance. Case, yeah, in this case, like in those cases, Lewandowski, if he was benched, like obviously he wouldn't be happy about it. But 
in this team, the player closest to, you can say, outside of Thomas Miller, of course, like a world beater level. I'm talking about like top three player in the world, top three attacker in the world type level is Sadio Mane. And he is definitely not the kind of player who's going to get angry when benched because his first act in his very first Bundesliga game after the game endeared me so much more to his style of play and his, you know, his style as a person, like Sadio Mane, the footballer, and obviously Sadio Mane, the person, because he just went up to the fans in the Sudkurva and he was interacting with them. He was shouting with his loudspeaker and he was just displaying his passion. Yeah, I think he I led the, think uh, the Humba, any issues. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was exactly. a full-on Humba. Is that what it's called? A Humba or Hura? I think, it's I think called it was. I think it's it's a Humba, yeah. There, uh, yeah, most often you always get uh, image, like memories of Thomas Muller leading him. He's very good. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, he went straight up there, was talking to the ultras, had the megaphone going. And yeah, that was fantastic so, to see. I think he's very happy to be here. And I don't think he's going to have any problems benched. Matthew Tell could well at some point this season come in more often for Sadio Mane. Probably not now because he doesn't look ready, but maybe later in the season. And I don't think Mane is going to have any problems with that. So... This squad, I don't know, it looks so much more tighter as a unit. And I don't know if it's just one or two transfers that have that has made this massive change, but it feels like they're all so much more closer for some reason. And you see Hernandez and Pavard, it's like they're brothers. They just bonded so well. So all this cohesiveness is giving me a lot of good vibes. And I think that's very important in the team. Like if you look at major successes, like for example, Liverpool in that 2018-19 Champions League run, the winning run, they were such tightly knit unit, and so was Bayern Munich during that recent Champions League victory in 2019-20. I think this bond is even stronger than that, and I think that's one of the major reasons why the squad looks really good right now. Oh, hundred percent, and especially if the attack keeps carrying on in this vein, and we sh- we shouldn't just give the attack all the credit, like you said earlier, Upamakano. I think he's growing and growing. Uh, with each performance, and I think he was quite good against Leipzig and quite good against uh, Frankfurt. And he's another player too. He doesn't. He never really seems to be complaining, uh, or you know, jeering or, or or whistling at the ref or anything, or arguing with other players. And you know, how much of that has to do with Hernandez being beside him in the center of defense? You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm sure it helps, but um, yeah. I mean, I think the defense has looked pretty solid as well. Pavard too. You know. There's all this chat about him Brazo. being sold. And... He's, just, he's just another Brazo masterclass man. He brought in Delete because he knew that would push Upa to perform better. He brought yeah. in Mazrawi because he knew that would light up a fire under Pavard's butt. So I think <laughs> Brazo is probably like Emperor Palpatine in the background, you know, just sort of puppeteering all of this. Oh, and it is, it is funny everything. to uh, yeah. see him. Like the way the commentary was describing it, you know, Marco Nepp uh, now sits on the bench with Nagelsmann, uh, Top Muller, uh, Kathleen Kruger, and the rest of the staff that sits on the bench. And obviously, Brazo is now up there with Oliver Kahn and the front office members, I'm sure, when it's at the Allianz Arena. Billy Honus, Karl Heinz Rummenigge, Herbert Heiner will all be there as well. It's just kind of funny. Like, it did, like it's almost as like it's. Uh, Khan was like his father or something and like told him to come up to the stands or something uh, because I remember uh, I think it might have yeah. even been Derek Ray on ESPN plus I uh, was talking about you know he's been known to be very heated wearing his heart on his sleeve you know would, would protest I think 
he's definitely got the odd yellow card uh, on the on the touch lines before, and you know, protesting the decisions and whatnot. I'm not sure how much of that had to do with the decision to, as I called, uh, I think I called it on Twitter or in one of my pieces, the tactical switch <laughs> to get uh, Nep down on the bench and then Barrazo up in the stands. But uh, yep. I, I thought that was a little funny to see. But I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why they made that decision. Um, and it wasn't just like a disruption issue or anything like that. Um, yeah, but well, yeah. That being said, uh, I I believe that uh, obviously some great moves and like you said, kudos to the defense for doing so well so far. I hope they just stop conceding because I can't wait to see those clean sheets again. Aren't you tired of conceding, Tom? Like, yes. it's annoying, right? Especially the the goal against Frankfurt, like. To Leipzig's credit, I thought the changes they made in the Super Cup when Andre Silva came on, he made a big difference. I thought Danny Olmo was very lively as well, was uh, involved in and around the goals. Didn't really like his cheeky little touchline routine that caused uh, Hernandez to be whistled for a handball. I thought that was a little disrespectful. Imagine, imagine having Dark Arts thrown at you, the master of the Dark Arts. That was Hernandez's reaction. He's like, you're doing this to me? You're teaching yeah. me how... How to how to how to play dark. Well, and the only thing wow. for me is like Fonzie to me is not a player who goes down unless he's like genuinely hurt. And it was funny because like the only downside for Leipzig there was then they then allowed Fonzie to come back on right away without having uh, any sort of a sustained run with him on the sidelines because the whistle had blown. He was just able to go right back in, and then the free kick didn't lead to anything. So, and then it was actually ironically enough, I, I this just sticks out in my mind. It was Fonzie who cleared the danger uh, when Leipzig were throwing numbers forward in stoppage time and it went right to Zane and then um, caused the the breakaway and the fifth goal. So, yeah, I mean, I guess thanks to Olmo for doing that and letting Fonzie back on. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, I don't know yeah. if that's technically an assist because Zane took a lot of touches. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, I just remember it specifically being Fonzie who cleared the danger. I, I don't know if he meant to find Zane, but it went, fell right to him. And obviously we know what happened there. Uh, but Schnitzel, just to uh, before we wrap this episode up, I thought we would just do a little. Uh... I think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we need to look at the other Bundesliga fixtures very brief as well. Because... Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, we had a, a mixed bag of results elsewhere. I was just gonna ask you any any results to you that kind of stuck out. I know some of our direct rivals picked up three points. Dortmund picked up three points against Leverkusen. Minchin Gladbach picked up three points against Hoffenheim. Obviously, SC Freiburg were the team that came closest to us. And right now, granted, this is before FC Kuhn and Schalke Nufia have kicked off. Or I actually think they have they kicked off like 10 minutes ago. But, I mean, one of those teams could win 5-0, 6-0. We don't know. Uh, I highly doubt it. But because of our GD as plus five, SC Freiburg came pretty close. They tried to copy us, obviously coming away 4-0 winners. Uh, at our Bavarian neighbors, FC Augsburg, uh, winning 4-0. Shout out to Ritsu Doan for getting me some much-needed fantasy points. He's so good, yeah. He and is, and I didn't even know he had made the transfer, but when I saw that, Freiburg's, I saw that he'd been Freiburg's starting. Freiburg's like the only team that I would be okay with displacing Bayern at the top of the table, if any, because they're obvious. Everyone knows they're my second-favorite team in Germany, and they're just so, so, so great to watch. Their coach is amazing. Christian Streich, he keeps aging like fine wine. <laughs> I mean, he's probably going to be a Bundesliga coach 
till the end of his days. I think he could do it. I can picture him coaching like on a uh, on a wheelchair and like electric scooter if he had exactly to. screaming at players and getting animated. That is strife for you. And I think that squad is so good. I'm so happy that they blew away Augsburg. That they made so many good transfers. Like Matthias Ginter, he plays for Freiburg now, and so does. Ritsu Joan, as you mentioned, who's a very good winger. And I also think they signed Gregorich from Augsburg, who scored one of the goals. So a lot of moves. A very, very massively improved team. Could beat United in the Europa League, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> if they face each other. I think, yeah, it's looking very good for Freiburg. And the rest of the Bundesliga, while they're trying to catch up, Dortmund looks much more stable in defense. But obviously, they lack that attacking threat. Because the monster in attack is gone, is is no more in Dortmund. Who was it? Was it uh, Mukoku who got the goal for them yesterday? Why am I already forgetting? No, no, uh, it was Michael Royce. Oh yeah, Michael Royce. It was yeah. funny because uh, like the ball was like just about to cross the line. Adiemi, and yes. he like yeah, yeah, he barreled it in. Adiemi. Now, now I remember yeah. Adiemi was uh, celebrating it. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. his goal. And, then, was he, so and then he had to come off yeah. injured. So uh, that double is true. blow for Adiemi, but. Maybe that's a little bit of punishment for choosing Dortmund instead of Bayern. <laughs> Don't yeah. get the goal. And I guess uh, Samrin's going to be very happy that Stadbach won 3-1 against Hoffenheim. And they did pretty well, actually. I They're one of the teams that you always have to keep your eye on, especially since they have a pretty good record against Bayern. I really now hate I, it. When speaking of Samrin, I know she also has kind of this affinity for Wolfsburg. And I, uh, Gulavogi, I think, Bailed them out. I'm pretty sure because I have full Krug, I was keep in fantasy. I was keeping an eye on that. He obviously got me a return, which was amazing. Mane was my other forward. Um, I think they were losing one nil. Came back, scored two goals in quick succession. We're winning two one, and then I think Gilavogi in the 85th, towards the end of the match, uh, spared some blushes for Wolfsburg. Uh, Werder Bremen almost took points of off of Wolfsburg at home, which which I thought they were that would have been a shock. Obviously, Wolfsburg, they've just seemed to have taken this massive dive ever since Van Bommel left. And uh, it was a little odd seeing Nico Kovac back on the Bundesliga touchlines. I mean, he was looking yeah, at man. Uh, with his like, uh, you know, slick back hair and his uh, his uh, T-shirt. It was like a beige T-shirt he was wearing. But uh, by the way, which by the way, you want to talk about a disgusting kit, Werder Bremen's away kit, like that salmon like pink thing is just absolutely oh, God. Absolutely atrocious. Uh, we man. should have a special pod episode with Marco Polo from Bavarian Football Works. Just him ranting at <laughs> yeah. Bremen's kit and yes. Bremen in general, just like berating that team and destroying them. Because, yes, it's... I'm so sorry, Marco. It's kind of good to have them back in the Bundesliga because they were one of the, I guess, proper Bundesliga sides back in the day. They were always there in the Bundesliga pretty much. <laughs> and they're pretty strong compared to other you're, teams. You're going to make him league. sick. He's going to throw yeah. up when he hears this. But like, no, it's good because we get to like pound them at least twice a season <laughs> whenever they're there in the Bundesliga. Like we get to destroy them. That is so good. Same with Schalke. I hope we <laughs> really get in those 5-0, 6-0 victories, you know, because that could really boost our goal difference. Speaking of which, I know I was speaking to you off air uh, about complaining about Bundesliga fantasy not updating us until last minute that Borna Sosa would not be involved. 
and they came away with a 1-1 draw against RB Leipzig. So we want to talk about our direct rivals. Of course, Nkunko, automatic for fantasy returns. Uh, you're kind of a fool if you don't have him. But in terms of our direct rivals, them not picking up three points against an opponent you would expect them to is big. Maybe we rattled them so much uh, in the DFL Super Cup that they uh, were still a little bit gassed. But Schalke are already down 1-0 uh, as, we, as we speak, Schnitzel. Uh, it w- looks like, uh, I think it's Dominic Drexler even got sent off. I was, when I saw a red card, I was speaking to Schnitzel saying I, I got a budget uh, or bargain Schalke Nofia defender uh, in Cedric Brunner uh, because obviously I had to sub him in because Sosa was not involved in VFB Stuttgart's 1-1 draw against RB Leipzig. And I was just checking my phone really quick and very relieved to find out the red card was not him. <laughs> but obviously <laughs> now I'm not going to expect many points because they're already losing and playing with 10 men. So yeah, welcome back Schalke. Way to go. <laughs> That's okay, Tom. Um, you always have the rest of the 33 match days this season to make up for it. And we know that you're pretty consistent, you know, with your fantasy business league. I think you finished like third or fourth or I don't know which place last year in the fantasy yep. league of BFW team. Like and then BFW. I think was in, I think I was in the top 30 for Bavarian fantasy works, which we have yeah, like almost 200 members in, which is awesome that so many people got involved. And exactly. We clearly have some Bundesliga whizzes who are in that league. So, um, and our league, I think was in the top 500 worldwide to finish last year. So we definitely want to carry that on in the same vein. So definitely. And I think you can even join the league late. Uh, so definitely join if you haven't, um, it's very, very cool to uh, see where other people are when we ask them on Twitter, like how they did and whatnot. And I think Nkunku by now took me over a hundred points. Usually a hundred points is like a good margin of if you've had a good week or not, unless everybody just, you know, all your heavy hitters completely tank. But as I told you, Shinichi, without Lewandowski in the league and him being like an automatic star and starter in most matches, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot more competitive. So I'm actually very, very excited for that. Same here. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if Mane is going to be able to produce the same numbers, but I will admit he was my star up top, and I'm sure a lot of people did the same, and uh, that was worthwhile. And now, um, it's pretty much going to be whoever had Musiala and starred him. They're going to have separated that gap between the rest of the pack. So, uh, I guess kind of my mistake for not having him. <laughs> that was uh, lesson number one. This season, Musiala is definitely going to be one of those options that keeps paying. Because I believe he's one of those players who will produce when he starts. Oh, 100% and returns. And the fact that you can tactically sub, uh, you know, you could have someone from from him his value or like a bargain, uh, you know, a bargain standpoint, someone who's a little bit cheaper to sub on for him. But Schnitzel, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Bundesliga fantasy all day in fantasy because it's I absolutely love fantasy football in the Premier League and the Bundesliga. But I think that's a good place to end. I think we've discussed a lot. Uh, so with that said, thanks again, everyone for listening to your now award-winning Bavarian podcast works. Be sure to like rate and subscribe yes. on whatever on award winning. Yes. yes. And it, think of me and schnitzel more than you think of Chuck when you hear that. But again, please make <laughs> sure to like rate and subscribe, whatever streaming platform you use. Be sure to tell us, tell all your friends, colleagues, coworkers about us. And until next time, which will probably be a weekend warm-up or perhaps even the preview show when for when we play host to 
uh, Wolfsburg next Sunday. Auf Wiedersehen.